For too many years, families of children with devastating illnesses have felt helpless as they watched their child suffer. Today, they're taking matters into their own hands and finally finding relief treating their child with cannabis. These are their stories. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, so excited. We, yes, yes, we have a special guest today. Her name is Miko Hesta Perez, and she's part of the Global Healthcare and Autism Advocate for CannaSafe Analytics Lab. She's also the Senior Cannabis Policy Advisor, Pereira Biosciences, and she's the president of CA Corporate and Attorney Services. Uh, guys, bear with me. This young lady is it in the West Coast because she does so much. Um, she's also the Director of Product Development for MD Exclusive CBD. She's a board member of the California Aquatic Therapy and Wellness Center, the board member of a Chalkin Social, and she's also the honorary board member for the Puerto Rican Society of Cannabis and Science and Medicine, and not to mention she's the board member of Normal Women's Alliance. Wow. My God, I had, I had to breathe in between <laughs> us. <laughs> but thank you, and thank you for joining us, Nico. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I, I want to meet Nico now. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? Oh, right before you start, we have a little disclaimer. We have another guest here. Just in case you hear him chime in. Here, a little voice chiming in. Is Aiden <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, the, the reason why we're here? <laughs> so, Miko, I mean, just based on what you've done, just what I read off, I also know that we I didn't get a chance to touch on on the fact that, you know, what brought you to this point was because of your son. Um, and him having autism, could you please share st your story with us that led you to this path of where you are now today? Yes. Yeah. Um, wow. I, it's almost like, okay, but, you know, 11 years later, where do I begin? Oh, yeah. um, a lot. Yeah. From the beginning, as we would say. From the beginning. Um, Joey was diagnosed with anorexia and malnutrition second to his autism in 2009. Um, during that time, he was nine years old and, and 42 pounds. So not only was I watching him um, just kind of wither away, so was his entire medical team. And so I remember him being cleared for a doctor's, um, a dentist appointment. And so in, in which, um, the, because of the severity of his autism, he had to, um, uh, to be sedated. And so because of that, um, I did have a doctor that okayed uh, this procedure. This uh, procedure to go through, mind you, you know he's nine years old and forty-two pounds, and you can see the bones in his chest. And so, after that appointment, I left thinking, and I remember looking in my back seat, saying, it's "Just this, just doesn't sit well with me." Mm. And so, I um, went home. Uh, I've been a legal secretary for over 25 years, and my son just ended up being one of my biggest case cases. I I remember walking through the door, and and at the time I was married, and and my husband was a stoner. Um, <laughs> or he wasn't, he wasn't a stoner. Uh, he he uh, he, he indulged. He was very proficient in cannabis. Okay, <laughs> and so I 
by the time, you know, my, my, my goal was just to get some meat on his bones. And so I bust through this door, you know, through the our front door, and I started talking about Cheech and Chong. And from that conversation, I think I spent the last or, or, or several days researching and stumbled upon a uh, paper that Dr. Bernard Remlin had wrote. And it was on um, medical marijuana, a valuable treatment option for persons on the spectrum. And so I had also um, found uh, some information that Dr. Lester Greenspoon had written. So basically, I put together um, this this file um, to present to his medical staff, uh, his medical team. And I remember leaving that appointment thinking, oh, my God, what's next? Mm. And in 2009, um, the, the industry was not as um, vast and with regulation mm-hmm. and, and licensing. And so we were here in California, we were under Prop 215. And Prop 215, you know, was for patients. Uh, and, you know, it's one of the blessings of being in California. And, and I was able to um, reach out and, and work with some wonderful uh, cultivators. Um, I like to call them Joey's uncles. Joey has mm. quite a few uncles all over the world. But I, I was actually able to get a crash course um, in the cannabis industry starting in 2009. Wow. And uh, I think three months after successfully treating Joey with cannabis, um, I, I was asked to go on Good Morning America and it's now 2020, and, and here I am. That's amazing. How did you come across with uh, Good Morning America? Because, uh, I mean, that's pretty mainstream for something like that. And it's not a common, it's not something where we're accustomed to seeing a, a woman of color to be on a national television uh, channel presenting, you know, autism one. Secondly, using cannabis to treat. This is true. This is true. Um, there is a TV station or ABC or KABC here in Los Angeles. There was a producer who reached out to me. Um, I, I still think that was divine intervention. Not sure how she found me, but it took me five months to accept five months to say yes. Oh, really? After seeing my son um, transform, not only was he gaining weight, he was also um, open to direction. He was just having a much better quality of life. Wow. And by that time, uh, you know, being in the legal space or being in the legal industry, I knew, okay, I need to talk to my attorney. We need to figure this out. And from 2009 to almost today, <laughs> Um, I've been on every major network, including Fox News, in which my understanding and how I was able to be successful and and having a a very healthy conversation on on the Fox News channel was pro-life. Cannabis Mm. is pro-life. I was raised pro-life, and if cannabis meant keeping my child alive, then... I'm doing what I was taught and I was doing what, what 
my grandparents had instilled in me, and that was my faith. And so cannabis wasn't such a bad idea on Fox News Channel that day. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm um, glad you said that day. Yes, that day because you never know. Yeah, that day. Um, and and because of, of such, um, you know, it, it, it was, you know, I, I it was an amazing um, door that we had opened. Um, and we had opened that door not only here, but in Australia, Latin America. Um, we were on Univision and Telemundo and um, 20, NBC, ABC, the doctor's show, it was, and I had a medical team that supported me and was right by my side when my attorney was not. So there was kind of a, a, a recipe to, to, to being successful. And the recipe was having a medical team to support, um, a decision, um, really to honor pro-life, honor, honor life, honor the reason why you became a medical professional, and that is to um, preserve lives. Really? That's, that's interesting. How were you able to assemble a team? Because I hear you saying my medical team, because it's not something that, I mean, when we were going through we, our we situation. We couldn't really with, get anyone fully on board, really. We did, yeah, we didn't get into like a team. It we, was just um, like just us, <laughs> you know, in that sense, because we were still trying to figure out, you know, what was wrong with our son. Once we were able to get him on the uh, medical uh, marijuana, then we found a cannabis doctor when we wanted to really tweak, like the the dose, you know, the medical farming, you know, farmer. I think it was the dynamics. Mm. I didn't come into this industry by myself. I came in the industry with a few physicians and my attorneys. Wow. There's only one way you can enter, um, or one way that you could have only entered this space and have been successful in 2009. And that is with a team. Mm. Now, you know, to date, do I still preach the same message? Yes. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. And even when we do our podcast, we always tell people just to get a medical cannabis doctor. Yeah. To help you guide you. To guide you to be there, to be like, you know, I'm doing this, you know, with guidance of a, a medical professional. Yeah. Well, well, it, 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 I think that that is great. And I think, um, but there's also uh, a lack of, of guidance when it comes yes. to mm-hmm. children on the spectrum specifically. Oh, actually, yes. you're right. So the ones that we went to, they were more for epilepsy. You're absolutely. I so, agree. yeah, it's a different yeah, arena. It's a different arena. Yeah, and there it's is. a much different arena. Um, and in 2000, and I, 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 when Joey was diagnosed with autism, um, you know, that, that was pretty traumatic for me as, as, as a mother, but I mean, you know, we, we steadfast and we kept it moving and I just knew that I wasn't going to lose my son on my watch. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things where I'm going to find enough research to be able to support this decision. Are you guys with me? I'm doing it no matter what, but are you with me? Yes. (laughs) And, they agreed that it was the most appropriate um, treatment option for him at the time. And so it was either watch me, watch my son pass away, or you guys get on board and um, honor your medical licenses and why you became a, a you know, medical professional. And mm. obviously it wasn't that, that 
that harsh, mm-hmm. but I was extremely and and to this to this day still very grateful for the medical professionals who stepped up. Now, I am not a cannabis consumer. Never. I mean, I've had to be very responsible at a very early age. I've been, you know, working for attorneys since I was 18 years old. So, and I come from a, a fairly um, conservative. Well, conservative. We're, we're very conservative. We're we're in a uh, Southern California in Orange County, and I come from a long line of ministers. Oh wow! <laughs> and yeah, so it. I mean. You know, ministers and law enforcement. Oh my that's god, that's my back. That's that's oh, my yeah, background. No. Oh my god, this was like taboo. Yeah, <laughs> you went completely disagree. I, I remember drafting an email to my family saying, "You know, you know who I am, and this is what my grandparents had instilled in me, and that is the fight mm-hmm. for my children. Yes, and that is to preserve life and to lean on my faith." And so because of that, everything that was being thrown at me, I could catch. And then I also had an amazing um, set of physicians and an amazing attorney who made sure that nothing ever touched Joey and I. Wow. Just... It's a lot to take in. a lot to take in, the, the story itself. And so in terms of for, for the listeners, like... You said you had a you did a lot of research. Where was your? How did you find this research? Two thousand nine. How did you find? Exactly. Yeah, that's what, what that's I, what I, I had to go to the had to go to the books. I had to walk into a library and start going through books. Wow. That's two thousand nine. Yeah. Um, there there was some research um, that was available, but it wasn't. Um, I knew that the medical doctors were not going to go, okay, Miko, you just printed this out and put it together. Mm. No, I actually um, had to pick up the phone and call Dr. Lester Greenspoon. I had to call, (laughs) you know, where is Bernard Rimland now? You know, I'd realized he had passed away in 2006. I was just, but I, this became one of my biggest cases in which I had to put together a Bible of knowledge and a Bible of support to support keeping my son alive. Wow. So for you, your main objective was um, to increase his appetite. Right. Right. So then that's, uh, that's where I thought. um, And so going back, I had to, and obviously autism was a new term, you know, autism, um, in two thousand, what in nine in the nineties, autism meant you were an idiot servant. It did not mean unfortunately yes, the yeah. autism uh, condition that it is today. So I had to rethink and dig deep into brain trauma in order to find the information that I needed mm-hmm. to support protecting. The brain. So it, ne- it wasn't necessarily autism. T- titles didn't, didn't necessarily say autism, but they said brain trauma or you know yeah. like brain dam. You know, like a damage yeah. or say, oh, and which makes sense. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, it makes sense to you and I, but if it, but not necessarily. Um, it, everything was just so new, 
you know, everything, you know, Joey was diagnosed with autism in 2001. Wow. Okay. You know, so it, it was, um, a, a very, um, everything was new, including, you know, the cannabis landscape was new. <laughs> and so because of that, I ended up working with, um, you know, Ed Rosenthal, Jorge Cervantes, you know, the, the, the pioneers, uh, DNA genetics. Yeah. And, oh and it, it was, and they knew how much of a straight, and, you know, I was just like the, the nerd who popped up. I didn't know much about the industry. I'm not a consumer, but I knew what happened to my son. Mm. And then I could make, because I remember sitting in a room with, with Dr. Um, Robert Melamede. And he's, he was a cannabis science professor out of Colorado Springs. And I listened to his lecture one day. And, of course, it was science. Uh, okay. I don't consider myself a huge science buff. So I, I was listening to him speak. And after his lecture, I said, I understood everything. So let, let's sit down so you can understand the other side. And so it just, you know, and for me, that's what I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed um, being around some of the, the, the pioneers in this industry, probably more than they could have even imagined. You know, I, because of DNA genetics, our story was at Copenhagen, Denmark, pharmaceutical conference, and our faces were on the screen. Wow. So we, we were transiting and we were actually, um, you know, as, as we continued to go mainstream, you know, there was a certain obligation that, that I felt that, you know, there were a lot of catch 22s. Not every state had a medical marijuana, uh, conditions in which families could utilize. And so, you know, as the industry progressed, um, and to 2011, my son was diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, oh, wow. which is the terminal muscular dystrophy. Uh, and I, I remember sitting in a room when I got the diagnosis at a round table with about eight crying physicians. You said crying? Crying. Oh, and I, I looked at all of them and I said, what are you crying for? And they said, your son has given so much to the autism community and so much to us. And I said, well, that's what he's here for. You guys don't need to cry. I, I, and I had to be the adult in the room with crying physicians who knew who Joey was. That's amazing. And so, yeah, it's, it's um, and I sat in that room alone. And I drove home alone. Yeah, wow. my God. What was your family's involvement in your time with Joey and everything? Like, how supportive were they in helping you with this transition? Because, you know, you go from, you know, basic caregiver to, like, everything. What family? Okay. Got it. <laughs> okay. Which is a common story with 99.9% .9 of the families that I speak with all across the world. Once our children are diagnosed with autism, 
It's almost like there they you know we we as 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 children as, as parents um we have we make sacrifices and one of those sacrifices is sometimes we have to stay home sometimes we have to miss holidays sometimes we can't go sometimes we're never on time sometimes 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 and they don't understand yeah, we had that experience. You can't go out to certain dinner events, family events. I mean, I, I remember one time that uh, Aiden had a seizure in front of my family, and it just jumped back as if someone attacked him or something was wrong. It's like, what was that? What, what's wrong with him? Is he, is he all right? It's like, it was a seizure. Just relax. And it was almost to a point where they were in fear or disgust, and I couldn't tell what it was. And it, part of me was kind of ashamed. I'm like, you know what? I can't be around my family with my son going through this. You know, it's just like it wasn't the reaction you expected, but I also understand that it's not something they're accustomed yeah, as well. Exactly. So they don't know how to cope or deal. And, you know, right. and one of the things that, you know, they always say, hey, you want a gift? We'll send him a gift. I'm like, no, spend time with him. Let him get to know you. Sending a gift is easy. <laughs> exactly. It's so funny. So. We, in terms of, you know, we didn't really go out without Aiden very much, but if we did baby, have someone to take care of him or babysit him when we went out, a wedding or an event, they, they just had to be not afraid of his seizures. Yeah. That was the whole criteria. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. and not like, you know, be on eggshells. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was just me like, all right, like my brother, like he would just take care because my brother, like, I, he wasn't scared of him. And, you know, so... That's what it was, and and it's hard to find even family members who could understand who could understand that, or even have a little bit of compassion. Yeah, exactly, and like the little things, because like you know, kids with autism and uh, any time they need structure, right? So they have to go to bed at a certain time, and in our culture, the kids stay up late. Yeah, I don't know if that's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, or late or not at all. Yeah, right. Let them run wild, especially like, boys. Yeah, so go. they're up late. They go. You have a family and event, and they say they're gonna start at five. It doesn't start until eleven. So you're like, uh, can't make it. We can't go. Yeah, because yeah. it's just like the if he goes to bed at twelve or midnight, it throws him off and triggers seizures. But I don't think they quite could understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It. It. it I spent many years by myself and, um, and and it's, it's a very common story. And, um, I was just grateful that my grandparents had given me everything I needed, um, to always lean on my faith. And that's exactly what has gotten me probably to this day. Mm. Um, Yeah, definitely. You know, when Joey passed away in 2018, Oh. And it's it's only been okay. a few years, but Joey and I had an understanding. Yeah. And that understanding is the reason why I have not left my post. Um, we still have one more goal to achieve. You know, I, I wasn't expecting him to get a letter from, you know, President Obama. I wasn't wow. expecting for him to ever say anything other than mom. I... Joey taught me gratitude. He also taught me not to take advantage of 
what we have. I remember coming through the door and, and I would say, oh, my God, Joey, we got this. And, you know, he didn't care. All he wanted was his cup of juice. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted his mom. <laughs> yeah. That type of um, training that he gave me has allowed for me to be speaking with you today. That's amazing. And now I know where I belong. I'm a healthcare ambassador. Even though I work in the cannabis space and even though I have some very well-valued relationships um, that I can just pick up the phone and say, hey, I just have a question and, and they'll answer. And, and I... I I am beyond grateful for where I am and where I've been. It hasn't been easy, not one time ever. <laughs> like it is, it has been a constant, you know, fight. But at the end of my day, I would come home and look at Joey and say, oh, it was worth it. Yeah. You know, that is true. it was worth it. I had, you know, to, to, you know, strong arm his, you know, everyone in his IEP meeting today. And then I could just laugh. And I think that's what I mostly miss right now is not being able to come home and say, Joey, we did it. But I think he still hears me when yeah. I, when I tell him that, um, because he played such a, an intricate part in, in the person you see today. And that is, you know, my job is to come in and protect families as a healthcare ambassador. Uh, for our part two, I uh, would love to have you come back on and for us to continue this conversation because a certain sense, I feel like we're just scratching the surface of what, as families, we go through, you know, and looking for that support and looking to help our families and help us, you know, in a way, because this is not easy. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say good night. Thank you for checking in. We get ready for part two because, oh, man, we're going in. Okay, thanks for listening. <laughs>